0: in the UK, before the vast gun ban of the 1990s, there were not a lot of guns in circulation in the UK before that, and the number of mass shootings in the UK was similarly low before the mass ban. So the idea that the legislation in the United Kingdom is what created the low level of gun crime is not true. There were low levels of gun crime well before that. Were you to try to apply that same thing in Texas, say a vast gun ban in Texas, and you were going to try and grab all the guns in Texas, I promise you, you would have an immediate increase in the amount of gun crime, particularly against federal officers coming to get the guns. The entire purpose in the United States, the United States obviously being a revolutionary country against our our motherland, Uh, the the United States experiment was built on the idea of the the gun being important in resistance to government tyranny, as well as in terms of self-defense. In a country of 340 million people that is incredibly diverse and where a huge percentage of the population has access to a gun, the idea of a widespread removal of Second Amendment rights would result in some pretty terrible things.
1: How's it going, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Arm Scholar Podcast. First and foremost, thank you to everybody who's listening to the podcast, who stopped by to watch the podcast. Your support means so much to me. And if you're not currently following or subscribing over on the audio formats, Apple or Spotify, please consider doing that. Help us to push this to more people, especially on the audio side. Also, I want to thank the sponsor of this video, which is Kershaw Knives. Kershaw makes some of the best knives available on the market if you're looking for a quality EDC knife. I carry the Kershaw Iridium knife every single day for my EDC and I cannot recommend their knives enough. And right now, if you order through Kershaw using the code YT20Scholar, you can get 20% off of your order and also free shipping on orders of $50 or more. So head on over to Kershaw Knives Pick yourself up a quality EDC knife. And again, thank you to Kershaw Knives for supporting this two-way content. Now, in this specific video that we're gonna be responding to, it is going to be a conversation between Ben Shapiro and a bunch of other individuals. And he did a kind of press tour, a debate tour, over in the UK. And he went to universities like Oxford and then uh, Cambridge. Uh, Without further ado, can I announce Mr. Ben Shapiro? This specific video is reaction to a discussion about firearms, gun control, the Second Amendment, at this discussion in Cambridge, now there's some very interesting things that are brought up during this quick little debate and discussion. Some things I agree with Ben Shapiro on. Some things I disagree about. Uh, you know, I am a two-way advocate. I am a firearms advocate. Um, you know, Ben Shapiro I think is very much two-way as well. Uh, he supports the Second Amendment. He is very famous and popular for his discussions about gun rights and firearms. And in all honesty, one of the big things that kind of first blew up in Shapiro and his, you know, discussions was his discussion with Pierce Morgan on, I believe, CNN. Okay, so why am I off the rails, Mr. Shapiro? Uh,
0: you know, honestly, Pierce, you've kind of been a bully on this issue because what you do and I've seen it repeatedly on your show. I watch your show um, and I've seen it repeatedly. What you tend to do is you tend to demonize people who differ from you politically by standing on the graves of the children of Sandy Hook, saying they don't seem to care enough about the dead kids. If they cared more about the dead kids, they would agree with you on policy. I think we can have a rational political conversation about balancing rights and risks and rewards of all of these different policies, but I don't think that what we need to do is demonize people on the other side as, as being unfeeling about, the, about what happened in How Sandy dare Hook. you accuse me of standing on the graves? Of The children that died there, how dare you? I've seen you do it repeatedly, Pierce.
1: And so it's kind of one of those more popular viral clips that kind of thrust Ben Shapiro into the mainstream media and, you know, kind of the main focus of America. So so I wanted to respond to some of these things. You know, I think Ben gets some things very right. And I think he gets some things wrong as well during this discussion. And then some things he candidly admits that he doesn't really necessarily know. Um, You know, they talk about knives specifically at one point. So I'm just going to react to this add some further context you know coming from a two a attorney from a second amendment advocate so my question is on gun control so the gun violence archive reported 647 mass shootings in the us in 2023 alone 2022 alone sorry meanwhile though tragic there were only 7 in the uk since 1996 do you believe the marginal increase in freedom is worth the loss of life
0: so the answer as an american and as a second amendment advocate is yes but it's not the same for every country Meaning that in the U.K., before the vast gun ban of the 1990s, there were not a lot of guns in circulation in the U.K. before that. And the number of mass shootings in the U.K. was similarly low before the mass ban. So the idea that the legislation in the United Nation—in the U.K., sorry, in the United Kingdom is what created the low level of gun crime is not true. There were low levels of gun crime well before that. Where you try to apply that same thing in Texas, say a vast gun ban in Texas, and you were going to try and grab all the guns in Texas, I promise you, you would have an immediate increase in the amount of gun crime, particularly against federal officers coming to get the guns. The entire purpose in the United States. The United States, obviously, being a revolutionary country against our our motherland. Uh, the. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the United States experiment was built on the idea of the, the gun being important in resistance to government tyranny as well as in terms of self defense. Now, once a huge percentage of the population owns guns, once guns are, are readily available, the idea that you are going to be able to either full scale confiscate or remove those guns in any practicable way is not true. That's certainly the case in the United States. And so, anytime there's been a serious gun control regime that's been put in place in the United States, and there are many of them, right? California has pretty ser- serious gun control. Chicago has gun control. D.C. has gun control. The rates of gun violence have not gone down because the availability of guns remains widespread. Typically, the rule is that people who follow the law tend to follow the law and criminals tend not to. The widespread availability of guns in the United States is not something that can simply be be done away with. Now, as far as sort of the principled argument, the print. So a lot there, you know, Ben Shapiro was probably one of the only people out there who
1: speaks faster than I do. I know I speak very fast and he even speaks faster than me. So there's a lot to unpack there now. First, You know, this student, I'm assuming from Cambridge, is asking about some statistics in the United States about the increase of um, mass shootings. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of statistics and it's thrown out quite often about mass shootings in the U.S. You know, CDC has the reports about certain mass shootings. And from the very outset, all of those statistics are very skewed and they are framed in a way to reach the results that maybe that agency like the CDC who's compiling those statistics, you know, they're doing it in a way to reach the results that they want to make it seem like firearms are a huge issue in the US. Really when you dig deeper into a lot of these numbers, you find out that first and foremost, the definition of a so-called mass shooting is very broad. Most of the times, you know, when they have a definition, it's simply maybe three or more individuals injured by a firearm in a single incident. Now, when a lot of people hear the text or hear the phrase mass shooting, they think about things like school shootings and a lot of those horrible atrocities that happen, but that is not all what's included in those numbers and those statistics of so-called mass shootings. It's not just school shootings or these, uh, you know, incidents that are very high profile. A lot of those so-called mass shootings include things like gang violence, you know, in inner city areas like Chicago, uh, LA, San Francisco, all these very, you know, very anti-gun areas that have some of the highest crime rates. You know, there's a lot of gang violence where individuals of maybe three or more are injured. It's not even killed. It's most of the time it's just injured. Um, really, if you were to remove a lot of those crimes, uh, you would see that the number of these school shootings, which most people try to claim that they are worried about, um, you know, doesn't necessarily reflect this insane increase in those numbers, especially not at all proportional to the number of firearms that we have within the U.S. So that's kind of one of the first things that you have to address. You know, when people say, oh, like, look at these mass shooting numbers from the CDC or the FBI or the DOJ, whoever, when they throw out these agency or these you know, private gun control research organizations that put together certain statistics. They love to throw those out to you and say, look, look, uh, mass shootings are climbing because of guns. And really when you dig into those numbers, you find out that, The way that those things are phrased are phrased in a way to include as many numbers as possible, including gang violence. Now, the next thing Ben goes on to talk about is kind of the cultural aspect of the United States and kind of the ethos we have behind the Second Amendment and why the Second Amendment is so important. Now, first, I think it's hilarious that he talks about, you know, the way that the UK first put in place their legislation banning all firearms It didn't when you look at those statistics, what he's pointing to is the fact that you can't say that that piece of legislation in the U.K., led to a huge decrease in so-called mass shootings because firearms were not prevalent anyways within the uh, nation or the country or the area in general. So you can't see that this piece of legislation decreased those numbers because those numbers were already very low because they just banned all firearms. Now, that's not to say if you ban firearms, that's going to solve the issue because later on during this discussion, you're going to see that they then talk about knives and needing to ban knives because the, Criminal rates and the lethality rates and all of that revolving around Nice has skyrocketed, and crime in these areas is also skyrocketed. So just banning firearms does not lead to getting rid of all criminal activity. You know, really, what they're concerned about is potential criminal activity and uh, casualties and um, harm to just the law-abiding general public. But you know, one of the interesting things is, of course, which Ben references, is that criminals are going to do criminal things. Evil is going to do evil acts, and it doesn't matter what tool they have. In the UK, they banned all firearms, but then what do the criminals do? They're gonna use whatever tools that they have. They're gonna use vehicles, they're gonna use knives, hammers, fists, whatever they have. And now UK is facing the potential of having to ban knives because knife you know, crime rates have skyrocketed. So again, banning firearms does not solve any of these criminal you know, incidents at all. But what Ben is referencing here is you can't just say that you're gonna ban all firearms you know, in the US because our culture is so ingrained with firearms it's part of our founding ethos. And he kind of makes a tongue in cheek reference to, you know, if you have tried to ban firearms in Texas, you're going to get a lot of federal agents hurt. And that is very much true. But what has happened in the United States is you've seen them try to do some sort of soft confiscation, um, soft restrictions and gun control, uh, specifically when you look at certain agency actions like the ATF with their ban on pistol braces and the ATF's restrictions on unfinished frames of receivers or polymer 80s and um, force reset triggers, trying to treat those as machine guns and confiscate them and arrest people for those, homemade suppressors, bump stocks, and there's a ton of litigation going on right now against those federal agencies like the ATF to try to remove those restrictions, and if you want more context about any of those topics, Pistol braces, frames and receivers, uh, bump stocks. Make sure you watch my videos. I have a ton of videos uh, on the channel updating you guys on all the cases which are challenging those ATF actions. But yes, it's very much true. Firearms are part of our founding ethos. And to just say, hey, if you just confiscate or ban all firearms, that's gonna you know cure all this issue in the US, that's just simply not true. And you know, Ben's talking about practically, that just simply can't really happen. In the UK, you could say that you can potentially now I don't agree that you should ban firearms. I think it's a fundamental human right. It doesn't matter what nation you're in. I think this is a fundamental right that crosses across all borders, you know, borders are just simply imaginary lines. I think this is a fundamental human right to have access to the best tools to defend yourself and then also defend your your loved ones and your nation against a tyrannical government, either foreign or domestic. But. You know, with the UK, they didn't really have firearms so ingrained in their ethos. And so maybe their populace was much more willing to just simply engage in this confiscation and seizure of firearms. And that's kind of what Ben's pointing to, how the culture is so much different from America to the UK, especially when you're considering that the founders put in place the Second Amendment in 1791. For a very specific reason, because we just came off of a revolutionary war. And in that revolutionary war, we fought against you know, Great Britain. Uh, and what he referenced there is our mother country, which he's speaking in. And our founders knew it was very important for the populace, for the people to be armed, to have access to the firearms that are common of the time so that they could fight back, not just to defend themselves, you know, engage in self-defense, which is one of those fundamental rights but also to fight back against a tyrannical government. And you know that is something that is very much ingrained in our ethos, and that is what Ben is pointing to here, why you can't just simply say, why doesn't America just follow the UK's um, you know, guidance in just banning all firearms? Why don't they just follow Australia in banning all firearms? First and foremost, no, the fundamental right to keep bear arms shall not be infringed. And
0: also it's just simply not practical and should never happen principled argument is that I'm a law-abiding citizen and I should be able to protect myself. That is the the principled argument. So in small-scale communities, for example, homeowners associations, there are, in many cases in the United States, gun bans. And I don't have a huge problem with that in the sense that you have a lot of social cohesion, you know all your neighbors, you have a security force that is quickly responsive to you. With that said— in a country of 340 million. So I want to stop there. This is one of those things where I don't
1: necessarily agree. And he talks about homeowners associations and how in the US, maybe some home homeowners associations prohibit the possession of firearms in the home if you're part of the homeowners association. And he's saying maybe he doesn't necessarily disagree with that because there's social cohesion and maybe there's a private security that protects the HOA. Um, to me, I don't agree with that at all at all. You know, when you look at the Supreme Court's decision in in Heller and Bruin and McDonald and all that, they talk about one of the core rights in the core aspects of the Second Amendment is an individual's right to self-defense, specifically also within the home. You know, the home is kind of at the core of one of those you know, of the right, of your right to keep and bear arms. So I don't think that an HOA, you know, even though it's a conglomerate of maybe a tight community and maybe they have a security force, I don't think then that the HOA has the ability to place restrictions on individuals exercising what is kind of at the core of the right self defense within the home and and prohibit the possession. And then it also would run into a lot of other issues, potentially your ability to Uh, just simply possess them outright or to carry or any of that um, runs into potentially transportation issues. Cause what, why, you know, if you can't store a firearm within your home, how are you going to transport it to target shoot and just runs into a lot of issues. So I don't necessarily agree with that HOA take. And I think also it runs contrary to a lot of the discussion that recently happened in the New York state rifle and pistol association versus brew decision, which dealt with New York's um, concealed carry restrictions And their proper cause standard where you would have to go through a proper cause standard uh, to get access to firearms, to get your concealed carry permit. And the Supreme Court struck that down and they put in place or they reaffirmed that the proper type of analysis when you're looking at certain types of restrictions, which I think an HOA restriction would kind of fall in line with this, is you look at the text of the Second Amendment as informed by relevant history and tradition. Now, also part of the Bruin discussion and a part of the New York law had to do with a lot of sensitive locations. And during the oral arguments, you had a justice like Thomas who responded directly to the state of New York, who, you know, the state of New York tried to argue that they could make the entire island of Manhattan a sensitive location or a prohibited new gun-free zone because, similar to what Ben is mentioning here, it's – one is – very populated and the state itself, and the state itself provided certain security measures. They talked about how there was police present in this area and Justice Thomas, In Bruin and also in those arguments said that the state of New York cannot just simply make the entire island of Manhattan a sensitive location and a prohibited location, even though they argued that they are providing certain assistance and certain protections like police forces and security and all that. So I think that point about HOA really just conflicts with a lot of Supreme Court precedent. And I also think it just conflicts directly with what is at the core of the right to keep and bear arms, which is, first and foremost, your ability to defend yourself within your home, defend your family within your home, which has been recognized, and even the gun control side does not debate anymore that self-defense within the
0: home is definitely at the core of the Second Amendment. And people, that is incredibly diverse and where a huge percentage of the population has access to a gun. The idea of a widespread removal of Second Amendment rights would result in some pretty terrible things.
1: So do you think there's a value to a cultural shift away from guns?
0: Um, not necessarily depends where you are. So I just want to clarify right there because the
1: student there is speaking uh, kind of low. He asks, is, do you think there is value to a widespread cultural shift? And what he's mentioning there is maybe the importance of a cultural shift in America, shifting away from a firearms culture to maybe something in the UK, which maybe they're they're very much anti gun. So he's asking maybe if there's some sort of value in that. My immediate response is no, but let's see what Ben says.
0: So, uh, so the, the, the idea that the, it, I want to think about it. It's, it's an interesting, it's, it's, it's a really interesting question. Um, and again, I think it, it's, it's, so, it's kind of based on circumstance. I'm not sure the entire United States is similar in this way. So I, I, I like the idea of being able to protect myself and my family. I think owning a gun in order to do that is, is a good thing in the United States I don't know what I would think if I hadn't grown up in a culture that, that actually values that. So um, w- would I see value in, 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 moving it away from that? I don't think it's that easy to move the culture away from that. So in terms of waving magic wands, I, I, I am running up against reality, but on a, on an ideological level, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure I have a good answer to it, frankly. So
1: I want to stop there because I think maybe I have a little bit of insight into this because you know, I'm, I think Ben probably would too, but I don't think he's very much ingrained in the actual firearms culture. Now, I think Ben was born and raised in California. I'm born and raised in California. I still live in California. Ben, I believe, moved out to Tennessee and Nashville area. Um, You know, and, and earlier in this discussion, he mentions how California has some of the strictest gun control laws out of any state within the U.S., which is very much true. We have pretty much every gun control law you could ever think the state of California or state of California itself is one of those states that is always the test state, the first one to pass things like assault weapon bans, which we have here in the state of California, magazine bans, ten-day waiting period, uh, CCW restrictions, training requirements, all of that attached with it, ammunition background, you know, checks. You have to go through a background check to purchase ammunition. Um, wide-reaching private party restrictions, so you can't transfer a firearm without going through a background check and an FFL, closing the so-called gun show loophole. And we really just I mean, that's just to name just the very top, the one in 30 laws in California, uh, the California handgun roster. So you can get access to certain handguns, Um, just so many things. I'm sure I left out a bunch of big ones, but California has almost every single gun control law that it was ever thought of and probably will have every single gun control that will ever be thought of. Now, that's all context for me As a very avid firearm advocate for someone who regularly possesses firearms, practices with firearms, is very much ingrained in the firearms culture and the Second Amendment movement, especially here in California nationwide. I don't think the fact that California itself and its culture is very anti-gun, you know, you would I would say broadly, potentially that California could be considered very anti-gun because of all the laws we have. Um, but I would not say that that anti-gun ethos and culture in any way has changed my mindset, like the student is asking for. You know, would the cultural shift or would certain things move the culture in a very certain way? Um, I would say no. If anything, what I have experienced and seen in California is those individuals who believe in the fundamental right to keep and bear arms, who enjoy firearms, who you know believe in defending ourselves and others. It in some ways makes us even more rabid, especially because we live under a lot of these gun laws. Um, I would say the firearms culture; those individuals who do exercise the right to keep bear arms, who have firearms and train. California gun owners are are rabid gun owners. We love our firearms. We train with firearms. We appreciate the right even more so than other people in other states. I would argue, you know, you would if you just ask any gun YouTuber, any of them, and ask what the biggest demographic you know, when you look at states, what is their biggest demographic? Who are most of their viewers by state? And almost every single gun YouTuber would say mostly it's primarily the number one oftentimes is California. That's my demographic. The highest viewer rate comes from California. Behind that is Texas, which isn't surprising because, you know, if you're going to look at you know, pro-gun states who potentially is most interested in firearms is obviously going to be Texas, but always in front of Texas is California. And that's pretty much for almost every single gun tuber. Um, So I don't think the fact that you would put in place certain gun restrictions or you try to change the ethos in the culture at a grander scheme, if that's going to make it more acceptable for gun control. um, I don't think that that's going to make the shift that this student is alluding to. You know, if you just look at states like California, that is not has that's not happened at all. If anything, it's created a base of firearms owners that are even more rabid, that will get more pushback. I mean, when you just even look at Freedom Week coming after the Duncan v. Bonta case, which dealt with restrictions on standard magazines, When the Freedom Week happened, California gun owners purchased magazines at a rate of millions and it completely shut down the magazine industry for a while. You know, most of these companies could only service California gun owners and, you know, rightfully so because so many of them were being purchased and then it really hurt the market kind of after the fact because California gun owners purchased so many magazines during that Freedom Week. So again, I think that this cultural shift that this student is alluding to and and ben's maybe theoretically struggling with i just don't think it's something realistic i don't think it's something that could potentially ever happen and you could just use kind of test tube states like california to show that that just simply would never happen one quick smaller question the uk is slowly phasing out certain types of knives by phasing out. i mean making illegal to hold what do you think about that because those knives are there's no reason for a person to carry them as a British citizen. but
0: I mean, I, I don't know enough about knife policy in the UK. Uh, in the United States, we have, you know, tanks. So,
1: <laughs> so uh, that's kind of the last thing that I'm going to address. And, you know, Ben says, you know, he's not very familiar with what's going on in Britain with banning knives. And I've heard stuff about it. I've read stuff about it. Um, and I'm also very familiar with Knife restrictions, because, again, California is one of those states that has restrictions on certain types of knives that you can carry. There are bans on automatic knives that exceed certain lengths a uh, butterfly knife restrictions, things of that nature. And there are a lot of states in Cal, you know, a lot of states in the U.S. like Hawaii, who also have bans on certain knives like butterfly knives. Now, the U.K. is seeking to ban knives because the crime rates and those individuals engaging in criminal conduct with knives has skyrocketed. Now, what's interesting is you have a lot of people like this student here, they praise Britain and the UK's gun policy of them banning all these firearms and how has it's been so amazing, it's decreased all these mass shootings, it's decreased all this crime, all that that's attached to firearms, but then they completely ignore the fact that all other crime has still continued to skyrocket as in, you know crimes and lethal incidents with knives has skyrocketed and now in response to that they're moving from banning firearms to now saying we need to ban the carrying of all knives no one needs to carry a knife if you carry a knife you're a criminal and it's just interesting and this is one of the things that we harp on a lot you know here on the channel it's never going to be enough because you can't actually legislate away evil. You, There are evil people in this world. There is evil that has existed and will exist. Um, you know, I believe, you know, on a religious level that that is a very much true statement. And no amount of legislation that you pass is going to cure that. The UK and Britain tried to pass or they passed legislation that banned firearms. And now they're going to try to put in place legislation that's going to and knives, and when knives you know, are potentially banned, criminals are still gonna use knives. Um, they're probably gonna switch to something else. They're gonna use bats, fists, whatever, bricks, whatever they can get, vehicles. Um, so you're just not going to be ever able to cure the hearts and souls of people because some people are just simply evil. My belief is that knives are part of that fundamental right to keep and bear arms arms is not just simply limited to firearms. It is all arms that a person, you know, and there's a very common phrase that pops up quite often. in A lot of these two way cases, anything that a man can wear for his defense or use in offense. Um, In my opinion, knives very much are arms covered by the text of the second amendment. They are very much in common use for lawful purposes. They have existed for, Many, many years, especially, you know, during the founding and way before that, knives have existed almost all into all eternity. Um, You know, knives have been used by man for a very long time for, you know, just utility and everyday life, but also for self-defense. I believe that knives are clearly protected by the text of the Second Amendment. They are very clearly arms and that and I think certain knives. Even, you know, there are some discussions about banning certain types of knives. Uh, like I mentioned, California has bans on certain automatic knives and butterfly knives, and Hawaii has one as well. And there's a very popular case going on right now, the Tedder case out of Hawaii, uh, which made its way up to the Ninth Circuit. And I believe a three-judge panel in the Ninth Circuit struck down Hawaii's ban on butterfly knives. And shout out to Stephen Stambouli from Gun Owners America, the attorney from Gun Owners America. He's the one leading that case. He was Putting all of his effort behind that, he might even be doing that one on his own, not even associated with Gun Owners of America. So it's something that's being litigated definitely in the U.S. There again, there are some states who are trying to restrict knives. And I would say, what does this student think is going to be solved by banning knives? They banned firearms and then all of a sudden knives became an issue. So now they want to ban knives. And then what happens if billy clubs or batons or bricks or baseball bats or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever tool that criminals can get their hands on, probably still knives because you can't ban all knives. All you're going to affect is the law abiding, peaceable person who right now in the UK or Britain really only has access to carry knives for their self-defense criminals. I mean, what are you going to ban all butter knives? You know, are you going to ban all kitchen knives? You can't completely ban knives. Knives are way more prevalent than any firearm in any other nation. So it's just kind of nonsensical to say, okay, we're going to ban carrying knives. Criminals are still going to be able to have access to knives. They're still going to get knives and they're not going to follow the law because clearly they're not following the law anyways if they're assaulting people and stabbing people with knives as it stands right now. So what do you think you're going to solve? All you're going to do is... Harm the law-abiding person who maybe only right now has access to a knife to defend themselves and their family and their loved ones. So just some of my responses to this discussion, just some of my quick thoughts when I saw this pop up. You know, I was watching uh, Ben's discussion. He did one also over at Oxford and. You know, that one was much less civilized. Uh, If you're interested, go watch the Ben Shapiro discussion he had at Oxford and this one at Cambridge as well. And then I saw this pop up and I was kind of watching this last night and I was like, you know, I need to react to that because maybe I can add some further context. You know, I really enjoy Ben Shapiro. He's one of those individuals I've been watching for a really long time. Probably, again, the only person who speaks faster than me. Um, But, you know, I don't agree with everything that Ben Shapiro says or does. Um, You know, I don't necessarily even agree with a lot of the things that he mentions here during this discussion. But I do enjoy a lot of the time his Second Amendment position. And he was one of the first people that brought the discussion about the Second Amendment and the fundamental right to keep and bear arms to the mainstream, like I mentioned during that discussion with Pierce Morgan. So, again, let me know what your guys' thoughts are down below on this discussion at Cambridge between Ben Shapiro and this student about U.K. gun control and maybe trying to apply it to the U.S. What are your thoughts? What do you think about these, you know, claimed bans on carrying knives and, you know, that they're now advocating for in the U.K.? And do you think any of this would ever be viable in the U.S.? My opinion is absolutely no, and it should never be even be considered. But as we know, there are a lot of anti-gunners in the U.S. who would love to model the U.K., would love to model Britain, who would love to model uh, Australia and just completely try to ban and confiscate firearms. You know, that is very much a position that a lot of anti-gunners take in the U.S. So just let me know what your thoughts are down below. Again, don't forget if you're listening to this on the audio side, or even if you're just watching this on YouTube, go over to the audio side, make sure you're following on Spotify, Apple Podcast. It's really everywhere at this point. I uploaded it to now Pandora, uh, Amazon Music. It's really available anywhere. If you have an Android device, you can get it on Google Podcasts. So anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find this. And again, thank you guys so much for all of your support. And never forget this nation was built farm scholars and this nation will be maintained farm scholars.